Up and at him, E-Town. Don't forget, because it is so true. Anything is possible, and make sure to put your best foot forward. We're, we're certainly all in this together. It's a great day to be a wild Welcome to the September episode of Kit Chat, the Evansonians podcast. For any new listeners, I'm Lauren. And I'm Eden. And we are the executive editors of the Evanstonian. So now that we have been back at ETHS in person for just over a month now, and um, our September issue is really designed to reflect just how students and staff have been adjusting to this transition. Yeah, and in this episode, we speak to Barbara Tamarides, the student rep to the school board, about what she's heard from the student body since the beginning of school in August. Can you just tell us, like, what your experience has like uh, or been like now that we're back in person? Um, it's been actually really good. I feel like it feels like my freshman year because um, <laughs> that's the last time I was actually in the building. I feel like the masks don't, like, at least for me personally, they don't really change much. And then what response have you received from the student body about the reopening? Um, they like coming back to school. One complaint I've heard is just like the block schedule. A lot of people um, they don't like that. They haven't like they haven't been able to like get used to it. Cause there's no like consistency like between classes because like people have like classes like three times a week instead of every day like before. Um, but other than that, I feel like everybody's happy with how school's been going. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, so you're, you kind of mentioned this already, but do you think that um, the changes that, like, have been made around, like, rehumanizing schools, so, like, the new bell, the block schedule, like, the change in tardy systems, like, do you think those have been received well by the student body? I think the tardy systems have, um, because I feel like a lot of more, like, there's a lot less students in the hallways, like, during class and, like, before class, because, like, you know, before you have to go out and get a pass and whatever. Um, and the block schedule, I I think we do like that. It's four classes per day, but it's also kind of hard because 85 minutes is a long time to sit, um, and some teachers don't give us breaks. Some teachers do do a really good job of that. So it's kind of like pros and cons on the new like schedule and like whole like new kind of programming to school. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then were you an advocate like leading up to the new school year? Um, I wasn't actually student rep when all these new changes were decided. So I was not an advocate. Um, I wasn't there when, like, but student union did advocate for block schedules. They said that they supported it. Um, but I personally was not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then also, like, how do you plan to support um, students that, like you said, there have been challenges with block scheduling and just, like, transitions back to in-person. So how do you plan to support students who might be having challenges? I guess... It really goes to, like, just teachers, like, letting teachers know, or, like, requiring a break in classrooms, at least, between those 85 minutes, because um, I found that really helpful, and I've heard a lot of people really like that, especially, like, getting up and then, like, every, like being on your phone for, like, five, ten minutes in the middle of class, and, like, everybody being able to do that is good, so I feel like that's, like, a first step in, like, supporting students through the block schedule. For sure. Um, and then what are some of the main topics of discussion you want to address at, like, the next school board meeting? I'm not sure about the next school board meeting, but I know the student union were working on creating, like, a student handbook because the pilot is very, like, not student-friendly. Like, it takes a long time to read through it, and nobody really reads through it. So we want to create, like, a handbook that says, like, the students' rights and privileges at school that's, like, easier for students to read. So that's, like, a continued project from last year. 
Also, mental health days continue from last year. We're trying to find a way for, like, if students don't feel, like, mentally able um, to sit in class, like, they can either, you know, go to a room or even call off from school and stay home. But we're still, like, bringing out the logistics to that. Um, mm -hmm. So those are two main things that, like, from last year have, like, came into this year. Um, yeah, so for the handbook, like, what are some examples of, um, like, rights or privileges, like you said, that you think students might not be aware of that you want to highlight? Um, that's a hard question. There's just, like, things, there's, like, lists, like, if a teacher, you know, takes your phone, like, they can't keep your phone for, like, the whole day, like, they should give it back to you um, at the end of class. Um, there's just, like, I haven't looked through a lot of it, but there's, like, all these rules, like, if this happens in your class, like, you can do this, and you can say this to the teacher. Um, and there's also, like, you can have a teacher accompany you or an adult accompany you when you're talking to administration. So when you're, like, in the principal's office, like, you can call, like, when your teachers that you know, like, can advocate for you in any situation, they can sit in there with you and, like, you know, be, like, an adult voice for you. I think that definitely make it more accessible. Yeah. And then what are some of your perceptions of the COVID protocols? Um, what do you mean, like, if they're... Yeah, like, just how do you think the social distancing is maybe done when you're, like, mask wearing stuff like that? I think the mask wearing is really good. I, I've i never seen anybody getting, like, scolded for not wearing their mask. I think that everybody's doing a good job about it. Um, the social distancing, I know that's kind of hard, so I don't think we have much social distancing, but, like, with masks on, um, I think it's okay. At least there hasn't been an outbreak yet um, at our school. Um, and lunch, they do a really good job as, like, separating people, like, two people to a table, at least in the hub, and, like, making sure people are social distanced. But also, like, I know I heard Dr. Campbell say that, like, students have a choice, like, if they're worried about COVID and if they want to follow social distancing, like, it's recommended that, like, they go outside in the courtyard because in the lunchroom and in the hub, it's not as possible for you to social distance as it is outside mm -hmm. without your mask on. So um, I feel like that's a good opportunity. If people want to stay, like, extra safe, they should go outside and eat lunch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then how has in-person um, school allowed you to implement some policies and plans you hope to? Or how do you think it will help you? I think it will help because, I mean, it's just much easier. Like, I feel like being a student rep, um, like how Carmia Beatty was online, is like so hard because you don't meet your, you don't meet your peers, like you don't meet your classmates um, on Zoom. That's just kind of impossible. You do make sort of a connection with your teacher, but not as much as in person. So I feel like just the big advantage I have is being student rep in person school is just like, I can really make a connection with my teachers and also my like classmates. And just because like, we don't have to be friends, but, like, at least they know that, that they can come to me and they're more comfortable than if we were, like, online in a Zoom set. And, yeah, I'm not sure, like, many students are aware of this. Like, I know I might not be the most aware. Like, what does your day-to-day, -day, like, kind of um, schedule or, like, obligations look like as a student rep? Um, yeah, so there's – so I have to be at the student union meetings. Um, I lead those with the sponsor, Mr. Pond. Um, that's every Thursday, so I just – to throw it out there to, if anybody wants to join. Like, they could just come in. That's every Thursday, so that's one thing. And then the planning for that also takes, like, an hour maybe. Um, so that's that. And then I also meet with Dr. Campbell biweekly, so every two weeks. And then the board meetings happen on Mondays once and then, like, occasionally twice a month. Um, so that's basically, like, the big obligations that I have as student.
And how can students do, like, contact you with any ideas that they have or plans that they want you to implement? Yeah, they can email me. Um, my email is on, like, the website, or they could just type in my name in the, you know, Gmail little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if they do find me on social media, of course, they could contact me on social media. Um, and also they could just stop me in the hallways and or come to Student Union, which is, like, the easiest place for me to, you know, like, get information about opinions because, it, like, that's the least space just for that. Mm-hmm. So um, if they really have something they feel strongly about um, and if they're comfortable, they should, you know, come to Student Union and just talk about it. Yeah. And then, I'm sorry, last thing, do you mind just giving a brief overview of what Student Union is for anyone who may not know? Yeah, so Student Union is, like, a government of students. Um, it used to be the Student Senate, but they changed it, I think, a couple of years ago. Um, and basically... Mr. Pond sponsors it. It's every Thursday, 3.45 to 4.30 in West 3.11. And people don't have to show up every time. Basically, we sit down. We have an agenda every day. Um, we do, like, a warm-up, of course, and then we talk about, like, like tomorrow we're going to talk about, like, making a mission statement for Student Union. So, like, everybody knows exactly what we, what we inspire to do. And then also creating, like, a poster and, like, flyers to put up around the school, like, to join Student Union, but, like, there's groups that break off, and, like, how I was talking about the handbook for students, like, there's, like, a couple of students who work on that throughout Student Union, and then there's, like, the other half works, worked on the mental health days last year, so it's kind of, like, they really do the, like, the work in, like, what should be presented to the administration. Yeah, and is there anything else you may want to, like, say to students who are like listening or anything else about reopening a school? Um, just to feel free to contact me mm-hmm. and um, to really try to come to Student Union. We want as many people as possible. Um, but yeah, I just hope everybody's having a good school year so far. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much, Barbara. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on and talking to us. We also spoke to Jessica Siegel, the in-depth editor, about the focus of the in-depth story for this issue and the concept of being a well-rounded student. Okay, hey Jessica, how are you today? I'm good, I'm good. How are you, Lauren? Great, great. Thank you so much for coming on Kit Chat and talking to us for the September issue of the Evansonian. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So do you just like to like start out maybe talking about like your role on the paper um, and then like what in-depth does? That'd be great. Yeah, definitely. So I'm the section editor for in-depth and in-depth is sort of like the collaborative section and like the investigation um, section of the Evanstonian. So it usually focuses on like longer pieces that we all work on writing together that sort of focus on like a larger ongoing issue within the school and it doesn't really necessarily work to um, provide a solution but our pieces usually work to just initiate conversation about things that are happening in the school that we find important and we think people should be made aware of. And what is, like, the topic for this September issue, Brenda? Right. So we're focusing on sort of just students and their feelings as they're entering a full year of in-person learning, coming off of a full year of remote learning, and all of the obstacles that come with that. So there's a lot of components to that because we're focusing on two different aspects. There's, like, 
the academic side and the content side of um, coming off of a year of remote learning. There's a lot of things that students maybe should know, but they won't. There's a lot of losses. Um, and then also a lot of loss of skills like participation and collaboration, certain things that just couldn't be done over remote learning because of what remote learning is. And then there's the um, extracurricular side, which is extracurriculars are returning to in-person at the same time when school is returning to in-person. And so it's just, it can be overwhelming with those two forces sort of coming together. And then you kind of touched on this in talking about like what some students' experiences have been, but um, like why did In-Depth choose um, like this specific topic to cover for this issue? And like, why did you think, um, like why did you choose to kind of cover the smaller um, like categories that you talked about and just different aspects of the whole piece? I, I had a difficult time during the pandemic as I'm sure everyone did, but then also I had to consider that I was also pretty like privileged throughout the pandemic in that we still had a stable source of income and I still had, you know, Wi-Fi connection to connect to all my classes. There were a lot of privileges that I had access to throughout the pandemic. And I think this piece is really important because a lot of students like me may not realize that everyone was experiencing the same thing. ETHS is such a huge school. And so there's so many students that are going through so many different things. And so the pandemic affected each of those students in a very different way. And so I think this piece is really important to communicate the idea that this is going into in-person learning is not going to be the same experience for everyone. And some students are gonna be totally fine. And some students are gonna really challenge or be challenged by that. And so, I think the overall message of the piece is just trying to show understanding and grace as we're sort of going into this transition period of entering in-person school. Yeah, and in-depth is always like a very student-driven section and piece and that really like highlights how students are feeling. Um, and again, like you kind of talked about this already about like what you hope the student body takes away from this piece, but do you hope that like, readers maybe like beyond the student body um look at this and maybe take away those same messages or like what are your thoughts about that one of the most stressful pieces of feeling overwhelmed is feeling like you're going through it alone and so i'm hoping that students are able to look at this piece and think to themselves it's not just me i'm not the only one that's sort of drowning in schoolwork right now or i'm not the only one that's like I want them to feel a sense of normalcy in their emotions and connection to the rest of their students. Um, so I'm just hoping that they can relate and hopefully that'll make them feel better about their own emotions. Yeah, and then I know one of the concepts that you kind of talk about is this idea of like what a well-rounded student looks like and part, like what clubs they might participate in and how active they are in school. Um, but I was wondering like what specifically in depth says about um, well-rounded students and what kind of like you and both the people you interviewed interpret that phrase to mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I think at Evanston, it's sort of since like freshman year, since the moment you enter the building, it's sort of drilled in students' brains how 
big the school is. Like there are so many clubs and activities and there's the activities fair, which fills up the entire Beardsley gym. And there's so many things that you can indulge in and so many classes that you can take. And that's something that's really awesome, but it can also be something that's really overwhelming, especially to incoming freshmen. And so I think the idea of being a well-rounded student sometimes gets confused with having to spread yourself thin and engage in everything that the school has to offer, which is an impossibility. A well-rounded student looks different for everybody. Like it's what it, what you're interested in, what you want to pursue, not what you think you need to check off to meet some criteria for getting into college or whatever post high school plans you have. And so I think that's sort of in-depth interpretation of how we should redefine being like a well-rounded student. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and like kind of like going off on this like tangent though, but like we all um, as a part of the Evanstonian were students at each as well and were involved. And obviously like the Evanstonian is a club or extracurricular at the school. So we can definitely relate to that and relate to those pressures. So I think that's something um, that we notice in every in-depth, right, when we're tackling these big topics that relate to the student body and like our place in those stories as well. Um, it's just always really interesting to note and kind of acknowledge. And I think especially in this piece um, and all of the stories that in-depth covers, but especially in this piece about re-entering the school, um, it's just interesting kind of to, to see how like we fall as the writers within the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then do you think that with like re the reopening of ETHS and like all the new changes to the school entering reopening, um, do you think that these like efforts to rehumanize ETHS has changed this culture about being a, a well-rounded student? I don't think so. I think that there is a still a lot of pressure on students to achieve a large things especially I think that there's a lot of pressure on students to compete with their fellow peers um, especially when you're in such a large school it does sort of naturally or unintentionally form a competitive environment and I think that's a culture that needs to be there needs to be a lot of work that goes in to dismantle that it's not going to happen with just one teacher one student calling out this culture it's going to be a lot of work that goes into that so I think it definitely still exists that's like a culture that I feel like I'm sure that's yeah. something that you guys have felt um as well just in classes and clubs and just like even just like interactions with peers um but was that also kind of a common theme among the people that you interviewed and that you talked to for the story so I personally interviewed one freshman student and she just felt overwhelmed coming into high school off of one year of remote learning in middle school, which is very different than fully in-person learning in high school. And um, I think she definitely did feel the pressure of everything that it means to be a high school student and what expectations there are out there <clears throat> in terms of what colleges are going to be looking at, what your teachers expect from you, and everything that sort of piles into this idea of being a well-rounded student. So I think she definitely did feel 
that sort of culture. I can't speak to the other interviews because I only interviewed this one freshman. And I think that definitely is going to look a lot different than some upperclassmen who have been at the high school for a longer time and college is approaching or, you know, post-secondary plans are approaching. So yeah, I think that a freshman definitely has a different take on that, but she did speak to the feeling of being stressed and overwhelmed. And it's really interesting how maybe freshmen, sophomore, juniors, and seniors all experience that pressure differently. Um, you had talked about that with like post-secondary planning and things like that. But do you think that um, there's kind of a divide in how students are in ETHS currently or are facing those pressures because some people have been in the school and some people haven't? Yeah, and I think that that sort of disparity between grade levels is only enhanced by the fact that we are coming off of a year of remote learning. Because, for example, seniors, the last time they were in the building, they were sophomores and college was so far away. But now, I mean, I'm sure you two can relate. And they went through their junior year completely online. And now there's college applications and college is just like around the corner like and so and then for juniors like the last time I was in the building I was just a freshman and now I have to start looking at colleges or figuring out what I want to do after high school and thinking about AP classes and AP tests and how these things are going to look on a college application things like that that freshman year I had no thought of considering and I think that throughout high school they sort of try and build you up and ease you into the fact of leaving high school. But with remote learning, that sort of gradual buildup was kind of lost because it was mainly just focusing on your classes and the content that they needed to get across as opposed to the the little things that help you sort of get ready to leave high school. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. You mentioned, obviously, like, um, kind of like these little things that now we're getting back to now that we're in the building. So like what, um, like which specific aspects of being back do you think benefits either like the underclassmen or the upperclassmen or just like, um, yeah, like which parts of being there do you think are really helping out students who may have struggled during remote learning? Yeah, I think ETHS has a lot of resources that exist within the building that were not communicated well enough when we had to leave the building. So I think it's super beneficial that students have their classes and they go to school every day in the same space where there's, you know, like the college and career center and the hub and like study centers and all, and like your social workers, your counselor, everyone exists and functions within the same space every day. And so it's just, it makes it a lot more apparent of the resources that you have, whether that be if you want to get involved in community service, if you want to figure out what clubs there are, you want to start talking about what you want to do after high school. It's a lot easier to find those resources in a very well labeled hallway as opposed to trying to search through like emails. Mm -hmm. I really think that that um, shows like how important it is to be in the physical building of ETHS or of any school, right, generally, Um, because, like, we were still in school last year, still remote, we still were able to, like, communicate with our teachers um, and, like, join a lot of clubs and, like, sports were still happening, 
but it was just like the barrier of not being in that space, which made it so much harder. Uh, I think we can all relate to that on a personal level and like throughout the stories that we told on the Evansonian last year then entering this year uh, and the people that we interviewed, but just being back in the building, I think makes all the difference between like connecting with those different resources. Yeah, definitely. And then based on how the Antep story unfolded, do you think that the academic and social culture within ETHS, um, or do you just think that the academic and social culture at ETHS pressures students to like fit into this idea of a well-rounded student? Yeah, I do. And I think that teachers are becoming increasingly aware of the fact that students are feeling this pressure because, and I think that COVID sort of made them aware of that um, through teacher interviews that we did. Um, a consistent question that we would ask was like, did you take anything away from the pandemic? Did you learn anything as a teacher from remote learning? And every single one of them pretty much responded with the idea of prioritizing well-being and trying to implement self-care into their curriculum. <clears throat> so I think that is a large step that teachers are starting to acknowledge the fact that students are <laughs> individual humans and have their own individual needs outside of the classroom. Um, because I think that there was a big emphasis on mental health throughout the pandemic. Um, but of course, it's just sort of, it's a big part of high school is this culture of being a well-rounded student, especially on the North Shore where so many of these big high schools exist, like New Trier and Loyola and all of the Main East and whatever, Main East, Main South, whatever, like all of these huge high schools with so many activities and we compete against them in sports and whatever. Um, there is like, it is a culture that all around exists and it's gonna take a lot more than just teacher recognition to dismantle it. Thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us. The piece sounds really like informative, really meaningful and hopefully the student body, like you said, will kind of find um, just like solace in it and knowing that other students are experiencing the same emotions. Yeah, of course. Thanks for talking to me, guys. Take care. Greatly appreciated. Thank you all for listening. Thank See you, you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.